Bart, I've asked you not to whistle that annoying tune. Yo, everybody, and welcome back after just a little bit of a break to Simpsons is Greater Than, a podcast all about the cultural impact of everybody's, and I mean everybody's, I mean, don't don't lie to me, everybody's favorite nuclear family, The Simpsons. As always, I'm your host, Warren, better known to some of you as Bart of Darkness, you might know me from my Simpsons collection over on Instagram or Twitter. Be honest, it's great, isn't it? Go ahead and say it's great if you want to. But if not, when you're done with this episode, do me one small favor, slide over to the Instagram or the Twitter and check it out. So this week I'm joined by Debbie Mahon, who just had her directorial debut on the show with part one of A Serious Flanders. And if you haven't heard me go on and on about it by now, I'm pretty sure... I did that in the last episode even where I talked about how great it was. So just trust me, it's really, really good. Go watch it, go watch both parts. You will have so much fun. And I had so much fun hanging out with Debbie and I think you're gonna really enjoy hearing about her almost 20 years on the show and what that's been like for her. So I'm gonna shut up and we're just gonna start it now. Episode 51, let's go. I'm just going to let it roll in from here if you're ready to sort of jump in. Uh, And I just want to say, you know, thanks for coming on the podcast. It's going to be awesome to talk to you today, learn a little more of your Simpsons story and just get to uh, to know you a little bit. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's going to be really fun. Uh, When this episode drops, it's going to be we're going to be in Christmas time. Are you excited for Christmas time, Debbie? No, (laughs) I am not ready for Christmas. Like time needs to slow its rolls. I'm still I still have thanksgiving leftovers in my fridge and i just i just want to take it slow man yeah it's it's moving quick i already got the christmas tree up yesterday so it's oh. it's rolling right along you know oh is it fake or real no it's real i went with a real tree aren't you I, worried about it dying like see <laughs> i i see a lot of people saying that and i don't know because i never had a real tree growing up I always had a fake tree. My mom still uses the same tree that she used when we were kids to this. Mm, I so mean, still, <laughs> which I like. Uh, and somehow they they always live. I feel like I've bought a real tree after Thanksgiving, like the next day. And yeah. it always makes it to like early January. If you just keep, if you just put water in that thing every day, but you'd be I amazed do. how long they live. I swear. I don't I know. Mean, maybe I just, I turn, I crank the heat up so high. Maybe it just dries it out. I don't know. <laughs> and like maybe it's humid where you are and so they, they last longer it does they do seem to last <laughs> but i i've heard that take people be like how why would you do that your tree's gonna be dead by christmas but somehow yeah. they normally make it uh and my cats just get so stoked when i get the tree <laughs> so i like i like to just get them that you know what are what uh thanksgiving leftovers are you still snacking on oh so i've got um well, well everything's i've got the kale the spinach and kale stuff that always that's always the last to go um but i still have uh, a pie cake in. Uh, that is a pie, a pie and a cake. I, I saw it on gold belly. I was on Facebook or something and it popped up and I was like, I gotta have that. So, <laughs> I, so I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I got yeah, say, you, you saw the ads too. I did. That is the most insane thing ever. And I actually just heard a friend of mine talk about getting one of those. And <sighs> he said it was like the most ridiculous thing he's ever eaten, but he it's, loved it. Oh, it's, it really is ridiculous. It's, it's everything you think it is and, and more plus diabetes. I, it, it was really good. I mean, it it was packaged very nicely, came from New York, um, and, and very beautiful. And, but the, frosting was so thick i just can't stand thick frosting i know they had to do it for the structural integrity of the thing but like i just ate around it (laughs) and it's like just a whole plate of that i love you know i love a a little bit of sweet here and there i'm not like a huge sweets guy 
But I got to say, like, that thing sounds like I'd be getting the smallest piece ever. I mean, you're basically eating three different pies, a bunch of frosting. It sounds uh-huh. awesome. I just don't hey. know how much I could take. Well, I'm like borderline diabetic and I, I do keto regularly, but like this was my rump springer, like Thanksgiving. No, I got to have all the stuffing. I got to have the mashed potatoes. I got to have all the carbs because this is my one day. And oh, yeah. so it, I'm kind of having like a lost weekend of carbs. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> yeah. I purposely make too much food on Thanksgiving uh, because I'm a huge fan of, of cornbread dressing and green bean casserole and all that kind of stuff. So I always make way too much so that I can eat it for like three days uh, for every meal. And so I, I think that is sort of the point. Uh, that's uh, So I, I respect that. And I think that uh, pie cakein is going to last you quite a while. So mm. yeah, I had, I had to give some to friends the next day. I was like, there's <laughs> no way. It's a tiny little cake, but it's like really tall. And I was like, no, I, I can't. Incredible. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. I, I, I'm sure anyone listening to this is going to be uh, searching for a pie cake. And as soon as they're done, I'm sure that would I mean, be, I mean that'd be good for a Christmas party. You know, it's, it's, it's a definite crowd pleaser. If you're entertaining a handful of friends, do it. Yeah. Do just it. Don't think twice. Just do it. Yeah. And Gold Belly is great. Uh, you know, I've had Bill Oakley on the podcast a couple of times. Bill's a huge advocate for Gold Belly. So oh. if you've never looked at Gold Belly, you're going to, you're going to find all kinds of wild stuff on there. Uh, well, Debbie, so the way I start all these and in a sincere way, not just in like a, you know, a normal way, but how are you in life? Like, you know, outside of like just today in general, how you doing? Ah, pretty good. I mean, I, Yes. <laughs> I'm very thankful um, because of, of everything that's been going on. And like, yes, you know, since we're just coming off of uh, Thanksgiving weekend, I'm, I still have that, that, that uh, aura of, of gratitude and, and just being thankful with everything that, that we have, um, that, that we're able to work from home still. And that my, my kids, they're going to school in person, but they're healthy. Um, they're they're going to get their second COVID shots uh, this week. Fantastic. And so it's just, it's just that extra layer of, okay, we're, we're close to being out of the woods. It, it, it's because like these past few years have felt like we've been trapped in a box. I mean, we, we sure. literally have been. And so I mean, I, I'm an introvert by nature. So like for like the first few months, I thought, hey, this is great. You know, I don't <laughs> have to talk to anybody or drive or, you know, you know, I can I can roll with this. But, you know, after a while, you miss your you miss your people. And yeah, I see them every day on Zoom or I'll chat with them on Teams. But it's just not the same like going into the kitchen and interacting with people you wouldn't normally interact with, but like, you know, they're, they're your people, you know, they're artists just like you and they're, they're working towards the same goal. And there's a camaraderie there that's that we've had for, for decades. And right. And so, um, yeah, something that, that, that Simpsons family dynamic is, is very similar to the actual Simpsons family dynamic you know like there's a lot of push and pull like like oh i i know you so well and like you kind of like (laughs) certain people can can make you feel like but like at the same time those people the same people will do like amazing work and it's like i love you (laughs) so it's like it's 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 a lot of that I imagine there's like a certain, I imagine there's like a little bit of, of motivation that gets sort of lost through a screen because I've heard other artists say that like, you know, when you're in person and you're seeing people do this work and you're sort of in this, in this place, uh, it's going to push you in a way that maybe just sending it back and forth on a computer might not do. So I can definitely imagine that that, that does take a toll. And I'm sure everyone adjusts over time and we've all had to adjust, but I'm sure that that is still, you know, it's not the easiest thing to be still in that process you know yeah yeah but like also like there's um the the brotherly love that i ha- and sisterly love that i have with my coworkers. it's it's very real you know um totally and uh yeah 
No, that's, and that's really well said. I mean, I think that's important. You know, that's obviously this podcast is a love letter to the Simpsons. I say that all the time. It's, it's sort of my way to like get to know the people behind the Simpsons a little bit more and share that with everyone. And, you know, I think that is a testament to why the show is special is hearing that relationship and that friendship behind the actual work and behind the process. And, you know, that's why I think it's the greatest show of all time, among other reasons, but one of many. So, um, in that same spirit, Debbie, tell me a little bit, you know, when did you first realize that you like to draw and, you know, what were some influences on you in that way? What, what made you want to pick up a pencil or pen and draw? Um, uh, well, I mentioned earlier, it was mostly boredom. <laughs> I, I uh, was a shy, asthmatic indoor kid. I, I lived, I grew up in a house, uh, smack dab between the 101 freeway and a really, really busy street in San Francisco. And so I didn't, I never rode my bike or played outside or roller skated. <laughs> I just stayed inside and, and, and drew Wonder Woman and her invisible jet and um, horses. And um, I had a steady diet of Looney Tunes and Tom and Jerry. <laughs> so that combined with drawing um, it, you know, it, it just was, it was inevitable. <laughs> I ended up working in cartoons. I mean, I didn't set out to become an animator. I didn't know what an animator was. I I thought that they were alive, that they they just showed up like, oh yeah, Bug, Bugs Bunny, he lives in a hole, right? You know? Wow. Um, so, uh, but I did watch a lot of PBS as well. Um, my parents wouldn't let me watch anything besides cartoons or PBS. So uh, there was Mr. Rogers, Sesame Street, um, Bob Ross, of course. Oh yeah. Um, but there's maybe your listeners can help me figure this one out. There was one show that I had trouble tracking down. I want to say it was called It's Fun to Draw, but it was like this old guy um, who had like square glasses and he, he kind of looked like the old guy from Up, but like he wore like a blue <laughs> coat and he, it was just him drawing like, this is how you draw a boy. This is how you, and it was, there was no music, no bells and whistles. It was just him and, and a, a pencil and a paper. And wow. he said, don't be afraid to, to, you know, you're drawing, this is what I'm drawing. Don't be afraid to draw what you want to do, but this is how I do it. Interesting. And just, it was, I can't, I, I think I want to say it was made in the seventies or eighties. It wasn't the big A. It wasn't, it wasn't made in the nineties. Um, it was definitely a, a, like an, an early eighties type of thing. Wow. Um, but, um, it just, it just kind of opened things up like, oh, okay. Like this, I can create a world here. I can draw, uh, kids playing baseball. I can draw, um, the beach. Like, and I, you know, if, if I really imagine hard enough, I can go to the beach and, and, um, so, and, and there was another show called uh the uh, book bird uh, it, it was like it came in different iterations but one of them was called book bird where a guy reads a book um, but you're watching him illustrate scenes from that passage that he's reading i don't know if you wow. remember, have you have you seen no i've actually that doesn't ring a bell but i'm for some reason i'm sure if i saw it it might unlock something i used to watch a lot of pbs uh did yeah. it come on pbs also oh yeah 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 it is um, but like, it, it's, it was really neat to see the process. He, he drew mostly on dark, uh, toned pieces of paper and, uh, and pastels or, or, or uh, chalk. And it like, just the, the process was very eye-opening. Like, wow, like people actually draw these pictures. It, it just doesn't like, it's not a photograph. It's not like people make this. And, and so that was my early exposure to illustration. And, and I thought, well, maybe that's something I want to do, but you know, I didn't really know. I thought maybe I'll just, you know, I'll be a interior designer or, you know, <laughs> like, cause like I mean, drawing was something that I always did to pass the time, but I never thought that I would be doing it for a living. Um, uh, but another thing I did was, like uh, play scenes with my stuffed animals um, with my brother. My brother's, my younger brother was close 
to my age. And so we would create these little scenes. We never went to summer camp or or daycare or any of that. (laughs) So we like, we pitched a tent in the hallway and we were the camp counselors. And so we were in charge of all these stuffed animals and like we developed storylines for different cliques and like different personalities. And like, little did I know we were world building. And like, it got to the point where we were really excited to revisit these characters every day. And um, at the end of the day, I would sit down at my desk and, and draw these characters, but not in their stuffed animal forms, but like, as like, anthropomorphized you know versions of (laughs) of themselves and like it's interesting I'm seeing all these shows now that are kind of similar to like like Bojack Horseman right or like you know these anthropomorphized creatures like horses but they're they're people um and you know rabbits and 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 things like that and I think oh wow I that that, that's a thing (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, it sounds like you were sort of just destined to do what you do, which I find super, super cool. I mean, you know, I I would love to see some of those drawings. Debbie, I don't oh, know if you man. kept any of those, but I'm sure that they are relics in their I'm sure own right. my mom's kept them somewhere, but I'll have to dig. <laughs> yeah, moms usually keep everything. My mom kept some some stuff she should have thrown out, drawings that, I, that were just so <laughs> bad. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's incredible. I just love how that journey you know, it's like when I talk to Wes Archer and he talks about how seeing the animations uh, at a at a sport, you know, at a football game on the on the the big screen made him think like, oh, I like the way that stuff moves. You know, like just these little things oh, get in sure. your brain, and I yeah. find that so cool that that it leads you to a to a place like that. Yeah, like um, just looking at those Chuck Jones cartoons, like with the way things zip around and the squash and stretch. If you freeze frame those, which I used to do because I thought they were hilarious, like you see these weird fucked up drawings and you're like, wow. But like when you play it at regular speed, it just it does what it needs to do. It shows the motion. And that's all animation really is, is just is showing action, showing the motion. Um, And I also loved watching like yeah anytime animation showed itself you know like I I was just drawn to it um talking about PBS like one of the things that was on PBS all the time was Monty Python and um uh it was it was like my bonding with my dad experience like he would come home from work uh and and we'd sit down watch PBS and and whenever a Terry Gilliam spot would 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 happen I would just be like entranced like what is this (laughs) this is like I didn't want it to end like whenever it would transition to a live action sequence I was like oh (laughs) like there needs to be sad that it's over (laughs) just like I want to see a feature like a like a you know multi-part feature of just like all Terry Gilliam animation like oh yeah that would be like my my holy grail (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, that's, no. that's so good. Well, it's, it's funny, you know, and, and on that same thought of, of drawing, uh, there was a panel a few months ago where you guys played a Pictionary game with some of the the Simpsons people. And I got to say, you know, you absolutely dominated that thing. You and Al just <laughs> crushed it. Uh, so, and you, you clearly had a lot of knowledge about the Simpsons. Uh, in that game, it was quite obvious that you, you know, were a fan of the show, even beyond like your time working on it. What was your relationship to the show before working there? Well, um, I love Tracy Ullman. Like, uh, so like, I, like, uh, Fox was in it, in its infancy. So, but I watched a lot of married with children probably. Oh yeah. When I probably wasn't supposed to, <laughs> I was Same. probably too young for it. Um, and a, I loved In Living Color. And I, Tracy Ullman was part of that whole package. And, and so I was on board, like just like watching this woman play all sorts of characters. And like, she was so versatile. Like a lot of her skits, I still think of to this day. They're just, they're just genius. Um, and The Simpsons... They weren't called the Simpsons at the time. They were just those yellow people. Um, and I, something about it was different and, and weird and unsettling, but also like really funny <laughs> because there was no music. Like when you think of cartoons, you think like snappy, you know, sound effects and like plink, plink, 
zip, you know, but like right. there's no, it was just all ambient noise and Maggie's pacifier and like footsteps. And I thought, what is this? I've never seen anything like this. And I kind of felt like I wanted to see more of that world. And so like, like the Monty Python sketch, right? Like I, I want more of this. And so when the Simpsons happened, I was in heaven. I was like, yes, I, I fired up my VCR. <laughs> uh, my, my sister and I, we recorded the, the very first episode. We watched it all the time. And then like, I remember the Michael Jackson episode was a big deal too. And do the Bartman. I, I was like at my VCR ready to press record every time those showed up. Um, so yeah, big fan I love that. from the beginning. Yeah, I I think it's so cool. And that's something that I did. And so many other people that I, I talked to that grew up watching the show, that was a show they wanted on, you know, they wanted on tapes. They wanted to be able to watch these back. I've talked to people that yeah. were like, Oh, you know, I, I lowered the quality as much as possible so I could fit as many on a tape as possible. And I'd cut the commercial so I could fit more on there. Yeah. And I just think, you know, there's a million things about the early days of the Simpsons that make it stand out and make it special. But I think the desire to rewatch it so often is something that, I mean, other shows had that same rewatchability, but a lot of kids really were like, Oh, I love this. I want to be able to watch this a hundred times. Well, there was nothing like it at the time. It, right. That was the only primetime animated TV show. And, and it kind of felt like a little bit naughty. And so yeah. like, you're just like, wow, like I, I, I love, I just, I love the snarkiness and yeah. the, the writing was like parents didn't talk to their children like that (laughs) no (laughs) but but it was real I mean like they didn't talk that way to their children on tv shows normally but like you know you heard it you know yeah and and I love that point that's something I say a lot too is like that is it was one of the first times that that a cartoon or I would say any animated show didn't sort of end with like always in with a a lesson, like something that, you know, like, Oh, let's wrap this all up in a neat little package. Sometimes it did, but normally the thing that you got from it wasn't what you would get from a show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, You know, married with children was similar in that way, but a lot of shows weren't like it had to wrap up and everything go back to square one. Simpsons didn't always do that even early on. Yeah, for sure. It didn't feel contrived. They weren't trying to teach you a lesson, but they managed to put the heart in each episode anyway. Right. So that so you were learning something, but like you were also being entertained at the same time. Yeah. So that's that's a testament to the writing. Um, yeah, and and you got to feel a little bit bad for you know getting told to not wear that shirt to school again and things like that. <laughs> I mean that you know that's kind of cool too. I think they don't realize they they made the Simpsons even cooler by it being like sort of taboo, like, oh, he's wearing the who the hell are you shirt? Like he must be a bad kid. That sort of helped uh the show seem even cooler. Yeah, to it some helped kids, with the spread sure. for sure. Like <laughs> I, I cut out a picture of the Simpsons family out of a newspaper and I put it in my my see-through binder and my seventh oh, yeah. grade teacher saw it and was like, oh, you like that, <laughs> do you? And like I was always the the quiet, shy kid and always you know, good. And when she saw that Simpsons picture on my binder, she kind of, in my mind, it it painted a different picture. Sure. Check this out. Yeah. (laughs) And then that was, and that would become the theme. It's like, Oh, these kids that like, you know, Simpsons and South Park and Beavis and Butthead, they're like the bad kid, you know? So it definitely like, it sort of, it it introduced this whole new dynamic between students and their teachers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Question authority. Right. Uh, well, tell me, tell me a little bit about your journey to the show and, and how you ended up there in the first place. How did you end up working for the Simpsons? Um, well, I went, well, when I graduated high school, I still didn't think, I mean, I took a few art classes, but I still didn't feel like art was something I could make money doing. I thought art was like painting and, you know, museums and stuff like that. And, but I, so I took a few classes. And I was like, okay, cool. But I also took um, a film class in high school, and that opened my eyes up to the story of filmmaking and the the fact that it's an actual discipline. Like I thought, just you know, a bunch of people got together and said, "Hey, let's do this," <laughs> and, right. and, and and movie. Um, but no, it's there's there's a lot of nuance to storytelling, 
and cinematography and set design and and like I learned terms like you know mise en scène and and studied um, Orson Welles and you know all all those filmmakers um, right. and I thought okay that's cool maybe I'll get into film um, so but I went to I, I was going to San Jose State at the time um, and I thought well maybe I'll go to um, San Francisco State because I think they have a good film program, but um, it, it just didn't seem like the right fit for me. Um, mm. uh, backing up though, I, I from high school I went to City College, and so I did the two-year plan, um, got my AA, um, and then I transferred to San Jose State um, and uh, majored in uh, illustration. Uh, the heads of the department. Alice Carter and Courtney Graner uh, were like, so what do you want to do? And I said, well, you know, maybe I'll be a, an editorial illustrator. Cause I really liked um, Rolling Stone magazine, um, us magazine, like the New Yorker, like maybe I'll be a spot illustrator or an editorial illustrator. And they're like, yeah, that's nice. I mean, you could do that, but there's more jobs and more money in animation. Maybe that's what you wanted to. <laughs> and they, so they had the, the insight to the industry and they're like, I mean, they themselves were illustrators um, and they knew how competitive it was. And they're like, well, we want to set our kids up for success. So, um, so what they did was they lumped their illustration program with the, with animation and mm. animation became uh, a required course. And I was like, damn it. Because <laughs> I didn't think I had the medal for it. I didn't, like, it wasn't that I didn't feel I was good enough. I just felt like, I don't know if I have the fortitude, you know, to, to what I thought was just drawing one frame at a time, which, you know, seemed like hell. Um, right. So they, they forced me to take animation. I did the, the bouncing ball test and the brick drop and the leaf drop. Um, and Turned out I ended up really enjoying it. Um, and uh, I, I did a sack pantomime. And so this, this exercise, you take a flower sack, um, something that like an inanimate object, something that doesn't have eyes or limbs and make it come alive. And you mm. have to uh, have it go from one state to another. So like at one emotional state to another. And how do you, does that uh, how does that happen? Uh, and so I had my flower sack walking into the scene. It sees a cactus in the foreground. Um, and which is, it's very, uh, uh, it's, it foreshadows my love for plants. <laughs> Cause like, I didn't really <laughs> like plants at the time, but then, um, now I, I'm obsessed with them. Yeah. So this, this, uh, flower sack sees a cactus in the foreground, runs up to it curiously, like, what is this? And, and so it picks it up. And it goes, oh, it's a cactus for me. And it's happy and it spins around and it throws <laughs> it up in the air. And then it grabs it, it catches it, but by the spiky end. And, um, and then it drops it and then it becomes dejected and in pain and it, it slinks away. And so that, I think the, that, that sack pantomime changed my life because wow. my, my, my teacher said, hey, you should submit that to, uh, to get a scholarship. And um, so there was a Women in Animation Scholarship. Uh, it was called the Phyllis Craig Scholarship, which is, they still, they do to this day, um, which it, it bolsters um, uh, women in animation. Um, and it's, it, I have women in animation to thank for, for getting me where I am today. So so what this scholarship allowed me to do was go to different studios in LA uh, and meet meet the the recruiters there and uh, drop off my my portfolio and my reel. So I went to Disney, I went to DreamWorks, I went to Rhythm and Hues, and then I went to Film Roman. Um, and Film Roman was the only place that called me back <laughs> because <laughs> oh, no. I mean I I kind of suspected as much because I'm not a I didn't feel I was Disney material like I just I love just prime time like down and dirty you know 
animation, like get to the point, <laughs> you know, right. don't, don't make it right. pretty. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, film Roman was the, the, the one place that called me back and, uh, they offered me an internship and, uh, that's where I got my start. Crazy. Yeah. What do you remember about that first day when you actually, when you, and you can tell me your first day as an intern or your first day as, I can, you know, I can tell you my first day of every job I've had. If, if they, you like, you can, you can, you can <laughs> hit me with, you can hit me with the best ones, whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, so, um, the first day as an intern, they're like, well, you can punch holes at King of the Hill. <laughs> and like King of the Hill tended to need a lot of help punching holes and, and, I did that for the first few weeks and, and I got pretty tired of that. Um, n- no offense to King of the Hill, but you know, I, I wanted to see what, <laughs> m- what more I could get out of my experience here. Cause I wasn't sure how long I was, they were, were allowed to have me. And so I just, right. I wanted to maximize my time cause I was about to go back to school the next semester. Um, and so they said, uh, post-production needs some help. Uh, why don't you go down there? Um, and it, it turns out, post-production tended to need the most help um, because uh, they had stricter deadlines. Things needed to get done faster. Um, And uh, that's, that was a great place for me to start because I was able to get uh, a crash course of how a Simpsons episode is made because it's it's kind of like a microcosm of all the departments of the Simpsons mm. but like in this little department so like for example when a scene um is uh, goes into retake like what kind of note is it what is the change do they want to change the color of a sign do they want to a different character to begin with like one of one retake required the pope to be uh, a younger, more generic version of the Pope because the Pope was <laughs> ill at the time. And so they didn't want, you know, to have like the actual Pope in this scene. It's right. where Bart gives the Pope a wedgie. And, and so like, we, probably, <laughs> we, we probably don't want to mess with that. So let's change it. Um, so like, like little things like that. And so you have to send that note through the pipeline. Um, and so you have to work with design or you might have to work with color or it might be a timing issue. So so the the retake director usually does the timing, and so like you're you're copying X sheets and handling them, and and you're like seeing, and you're also seeing where those errors occur, and so that's how that was that was how I I got more confidence about how a show was made. Like oh okay, like because I, I got to handle every bit of those materials, and I got wow. to work with with those artists. So like if anyone is interested in a crash course, like a one-stop shop learning experience in animation, <laughs> work in post because like, like it's a little bit of everything. Um, Crazy. And, and that's, that was, that was my boot camp into learning about animation. Um, that being said, after my internship, they offered me a job as a PA. So I never went back to school. Wow. Um, I had one. Yeah. So I had one semester left before graduating um, but they gave me a job. So I said, well, yeah, I'm going to take a job. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah. My, my professor likes to joke that I hold the record for the longest internship <laughs> uh, going on 16, 17 years, something like that. Incredible. <laughs> yeah. That's so good. I, I'm, I'm thinking hopefully by now I could get that honorary diploma. Maybe. Yeah, surely. Maybe. Surely. Um, yeah. What, uh, what, what other first day stories stand out to you? Oh, okay. Uh, so after PAing in post-production for a few years, uh, I took a test uh, to do character layout. And so um, a, a whole bunch of artists left uh, because of the writer's strike. And uh, like they, they were like, yeah, I'm going to go off to, to greener pastures. <laughs> um, but they, so they, they needed help and, and they hired a, a whole crop of uh, artists. Um, and uh, they they let me. I don't. I still don't know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I took a test. They let me. Pa- they let me pass. Um, and I I got a lot of help from uh, other artists. Um, one of them, Matt Fawnen, uh, was was a very very helpful resource. Um, 
and he actually we co-directed the the simple uh, the series Flanders mm. parts one and two. Right. So like it's it's kind of interesting foreshadowing that he was he was so I, I got a lot of great advice and, and education from him at that point in my career, and then again when I was directing my first show alongside him. Um, wow. I was, I was very, very lucky to have that opportunity, but um, getting back to my first day of layout, you know, you start with a blank page and you're just like, uh, it's like the scariest. <laughs> I just remember sitting there looking at my paper going, okay, I'm going to draw on the Simpsons now. <laughs> uh, and, and uh, I, I got some advice from, Another character layout artist uh, named John Achenbach, a great, tremendous artist. And he, I was really nervous. He said, oh, don't worry about it. See, this is what you got to do. You got to do comps and, and, you know, just look at the storyboard. And, and he showed me examples of a comp that he does, that he did using Sharpie markers. Like mm. he just took out a, a eight, eight and a half by 11 and then like scribbled. I mean, it was beautiful. It was like all fully formed and figured out like the, the perspective um, and the characters. I mean, it was done roughly, but I could see where everything was. And so I looked at it and I went, yeah, okay. Okay. I can do that. And so I grabbed my Sharpie <laughs> and I scribbled a comp and I showed it to my director, Nancy Cruz, bless her heart. She looked at it and she said, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and she, she whipped out a, a, a a, a blue colored pencil and just kind of lightly, you know, just roughed something out. And, and, you know, she showed me like there are different ways to comp. This is how I like to do it. That's how John likes to do it. You need to find out how you like to do it. And I said, okay, yeah. And it, it, it turns out I like to do it the way she does it <laughs> very lightly. <laughs> like, cause I, I need to figure out where everything is. And it's, it's not a one step process for me. I, 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 I agonize over my comps. <laughs> wow. No, I mean, that's, you know, it just comes back to that attention to detail, that care into, into what you're doing. Right. At, at what point in that process did you realize that you were interested in directing or maybe doing more than layout? I actually wasn't looking for a directing position. I wasn't, it, it wasn't something, I mean, in my, in my purview, I, I guess, well, I was ADing for a, a little bit with Matt Nastic. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I, I still do. Uh, so I had AD'd for him for about two years. And um, there was talk, I guess Selman was saying, we need to add more new blood to the, to the show. And um, they were throwing some names around. My name came up. Um, I, I, I guess, I think I, I spoke up a lot during screenings. Like when, when, when color comes back from Korea, they, they do an internal screening and, you know, they just, they pick out like little things that can be fixed before being presented to Gracie. And so, you know, I always, I just kind of switched over to my post-production brain and said, oh yeah, that lip sync's missing. Oh yeah, that lip sync's, I, I just always called out lip sync. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you can always, that was easy. That was e like, no one would like question you like, oh yeah, that's, that needs to be fixed. And so I just made sure not to, make an ass of myself <laughs> just, like <laughs> if you're gonna say something make sure it's it's a good one like you know right so i i tried not to uh to fall on my face uh in those internal screenings and it made an impression on tom klein he offered me a position i i was scared <laughs> I can I, only I, imagine. I yeah. can only imagine how scary that is. Your favorite show of all time, and you, you're given a chance to direct. It was it was very um, humbling, um, but and and daunting. And I, I mean, I couldn't pass it up. I just like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I mean, yeah. you know, I've I've got two kids, and and um, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they need to see their mom every once in a while, but I'll make it work. Sure. <laughs> and so he offered me that job, uh, January of 2020 and then, mm. you know, pandemic happened and I was like, so do I have to direct from home? 
is that possible? Like, they're like, well, yeah, I mean, we're, we're doing everything from home. So, so yeah, that's how it's going to be. And, and I wasn't sure how that was going to go. Um, well, well, first, oh, yeah. first of all, when they offered me the job, I was like, okay, so how do you direct? <laughs> how do you do that? <laughs> um, and so I, I hit the ground running, like whenever I'm faced with fear, it's usually because I don't know how to do something. And so I need to know all the things about how to do it. Um, sure. And so I, I'm the, I'm the same way. I, I get that. Like, that's the only way I can get rid of that fear. And I mean, it never does go away, but at least no. you're armed with some knowledge. Um, and so I, I talked with my, my director and his experience and I talked with other directors and like, they, it was, it was really interesting, like talking to different people and like, I got different pieces of advice from everybody. And it was, it was such a, like, it was a wealth of knowledge, um, coming from, from my peers and, and they were all very supportive it was kind of like it being inducted into a, a, a brotherhood, sisterhood, you know, like a, <laughs> a sorority, like, all right, welcome to the club. It's, it's not going to be pretty, but you know, you're going to do great. Um, oh, yeah. And I also, I got a lot of books. I watched a lot of YouTube videos. <laughs> on <how to laughs> like, oh, like if I don't know how to like, like if I don't know the process, I, I usually resort to YouTube videos. Like sure. if all else fails. Um, and I actually found a really great video of Rich Moore, who used to work on the show, but he was before my time. He left before um, I worked on it. Rich is so good. Oh, my God. One yeah, of the best. He, he's, his work is amazing. Um, he was talking about his process, um, like what it's like to direct uh, a feature, but it can be easily translated to uh, television. Um, and his bit of advice was like, see it as like you're making you're you're trying to complete a puzzle and like all your other friends are trying to complete a puzzle too like all, all your the rest of your crew they're they've got their own puzzles so help them with their puzzles but also do your puzzle and then eventually you'll put all your puzzles together and it will become one beautiful piece <laughs> um, i love that i love that phrasing that's great yeah uh, um, and another Thing that I learned about directing that I find works well for me was uh, to because I a, a lot of these people have worked on the show much longer than me. Like it, I mean, you talk about me being on the show for you know 15, 16, 17 years. That's nothing compared to it's like dog years, right? It's like you know, compared to um, someone who's worked on the show for, for 30 years, like people have right. retired working on this show. So you ha there, there's a, you have to have a balance of humility and like just an openness uh, to learn. Uh, but also like you have to stick up for yourself and, and really know what you want. That way no one will question it. And, but like also I like to treat it like uh, customer service. Like I'm, I'm here to help you do your job to the best of the ability, to the right. best of your ability. So what can I do to help you do your job to the best of your ability? And so like, I try to, you know, I, I talk about the scene. I talk about why this needs, this design needs to be, to be the way it is. And like, I, so I don't just say, I want this, I want that, I want this. I explain why, and that really helps the artist contextualize uh, what needs to get done. So they're not just working in a vacuum. Yeah, that's, that's really, you know, th that all, I mean, that's good advice for anything creative, like know what you want to do. Like, don't, you know, hmm. don't just question everything. I mean, you got to question it, but you know, go in, you know, knowing what you want. I think that's really good advice. Yeah. And I got to say, you know, uh, it really paid off Debbie, because this episode uh, both parts, but just incredible stuff. I think, you know, as an avid <laughs> fan of the show at all eras, this episode is really good. And I'm saying a lot of really nice things on this podcast about this current season, but they are all legit. I mean, this season is just insanely good. It's strong. Uh, I, it is really swinging high and hard, and I love it. And I got to say, this episode is such, I mean, what an amazing thing for you to work on as your first directorial debut such a unique and just 
bizarre episode. (laughs) So speak to that a little bit. What was it like going from, you know, working on the family in a normal situation and all these other instances to working on something this bizarre and out there? I thought for my first episode, I thought they'd give me something a little bit more, you know, in the house (laughs) right? with Maggie or, you know, just like ease my way into it. Nope. It was like <laughs> trial by fire. Yeah. Um, I, I read the script, my stomach dropped, <laughs> and I kind of like started feeling verklempt and like, ah, like I love Lucy. You're like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> what am I gonna do? And and like I got over that real quick because it went once that fear kicked in. I was like, okay, I need to know everything there is to know about Fargo. And I was scared. I was like, oh, my God, what if I don't like the show? I mean, I know it's a good show, but like, what if it's not my thing? Right. Um, and I, I dug into it and like I was hooked immediately. And I was like, yes. OK, good. <laughs> Whew, what a relief. Like, um, and, and so I got the script uh, in the fall and um, I spent my Christmas vacation just binging every single episode of Fargo. And it was it was so much fun. I, and I, I took notes, I did sketches and I came prepared with, um, a lot of visuals, uh, so that when I had to meet with Cesar and Salman, like we were just like ready to go, like out the gate. And, and that was a really fun collaborative process with, with Salman and, and Cesar, like they really knew what they wanted. Um, but they were also like really open to, to the stuff that we had in mind. Um, it, it's, a, a very much a departure from the usual Simpsons visual vocabulary. Like sure. Normally we don't do extreme high angles or low angles. It's just like, just along the horizon line, you know, the family sitting at a table, but like we did a lot of heightened emotional things like, like the camera angles, but also wide angles, like, cause Fargo was big on wide, vast, expanses of 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 landscape land and little teeny figures in the frame just to show the isolation or you know to and there's there's one shot that um matt fawnen did of uh of uh costas chasing flanders uh over the, the the sheet of ice and like that's just such a beautiful shot they're so teeny tiny and, and the background is just so gorgeous. I almost mentioned that exact shot a second ago. I also just love the shot of, you know, Rod and Todd walking from the house to see who's coming. Like, I mean, all of that just looks, I love the wide angle shots throughout both parts. Really yeah. Cool. Yeah. To get to experiment and play in that sandbox for two episodes was really like really freeing and, and just a lot of fun to do. Um, I, I kind of, I, I'm really into artsy fartsy movies and so like i was like great this is my chance to get really artsy and um and so uh yeah i just i just had a lot of fun doing that yeah it's really awesome i mean i you know i i feel like at some point people are gonna like think that i'm unreliable because i speak so highly of like you know they're going to think that like, oh, well, Warren likes most Simpsons episodes, so maybe he's not going to be critical even if if I go in and not love it. But I can say objectively that this episode not only stands out in this season, but it stands out in the last several seasons. Like, I think, you know, it is really something special. And the, the response online speaks to that. I mean, you yeah. see people that are like, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of current Simpsons or whatever, but this episode was really awesome. It's essentially, I mean, and I said this to some other people, it's essentially a, a treehouse segment that's two parts long. You sure. you get to try these really unique things that you're never going to revisit in a lot of ways. You see some aging of the characters in a way. Um and it's just, you know, a lot of death, a lot of really unique things. Uh, that is super fun to see. And, you know, I praised uh, Cesar in a recent episode when I was talking to uh, Nick DeHaan. And I, I just, Cesar, I love what he is bringing to the table in these these oh, bizarre scripts. He's a force, and, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited it's to so see amazing. what he continues to do. And I obviously can say the same for you, Debbie. I think 
as a first episode, as any episode, this is as impressive as it gets. So I do want everyone to realize like this episode is, is beautiful from top to bottom. So you and your team did an absolutely incredible job. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, it, to see the work coming in was a treat. That was like one of the joys of, of getting to direct on this show is just seeing what everybody turned out. And I was like, wow, I, you know, I'm really, I'm so lucky. Like, I, I can't believe I get to do this, you know, for a living. Um, so I, I got a chance to tell me to work with some, some really great animators. Um, I, we have some former Disney animators working for us. And so like just seeing their work, like they're just so humble and they're just like, you know, consummate professionals, you know, and they, 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 they do it. And, and they, it, I mean, I, I, I'm still beside myself like that, that, that I even got to, to experience that. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm grateful that they uh, gave me another one to do. And I, I go into a meeting for this next one. Um, meetings start uh, next week. So I'm just kind wow. of mentally trying to gear up for that. Uh, yeah. I, I cannot wait for that. And I, I got to say, you know, uh, Sometimes I joke that like, I'm not just saying these things because I'm talking to the person at this moment, but they would be fools not to give you another one or give you 10 more after the way this episode looked. Uh, so that, that makes total sense. I can't wait to see, uh, what you're working on next. Uh, what, uh, what would you say, you know, as the process winded down for you and as the episode, you know, was getting close to finished, when you look back on it, what would you say the biggest challenge was? Uh, outside of just that initial fear of doing the project? The biggest challenge, um, just like finding the time to do everything you want to do. Um, one thing, one really valuable piece of advice that I got was from Steve Moore. Um, and he told me, just be jealous of your time. I mean, especially because you have children, you know, like you really need to utilize your time um, to the, 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 the best of your ability, you know, just like maximize it. Like when I come in to that office, I'm not farting around <laughs> like, you know, right. like, like I would, if I were in character land, I don't know. Shh, don't tell anyone that, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I like, I'm, but th there's just, there's so much that needs to be done. And I've, I've found myself working really, really late nights. And I, I realized, you know, maybe I don't want to do that. Maybe I would rather, you know, just, do do as much as I can, but like, you know, don't kill yourself. You know, right. I just I'm not going to kill myself over it. You know, um, and another. I mean, I, I learned I learned a lot you know, doing this, and uh, but I don't really feel like I made too many major mistakes. Um, like like little like technical things. Like I'll be sure your storyboard is correct. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, like the, the the dialogue, make sure it's, you know, don't rush into approving the boards, you know, because that's that's kind of a roadmap for your timer and everybody else. Like, OK, yeah, <laughs> now I know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Nah, that's that's all good stuff. And I, I mean, you know, I, I I can say it over and over, but going into such a unique and different episode is a challenge all on its own. And you absolutely crushed it. So whatever challenges came up, you handled them with grace, Debbie. And I, I'm excited to see what you do moving on, uh, moving forward with the show. Uh, so we're going to move into something a little more fun uh, to sort of round us out this on this episode. <laughs> well, it is fun, but these are, these are a little bit, well, actually, you know what? Maybe they're not easy. I'll let you be the judge of that. But right. this is a segment we call the big three on this show. Uh, and it's just to sort of learn a little bit more about what you like and don't like about uh, the Simpsons. And the first question is, who would you say your favorite character on the show is and why? I, well, if you asked me that uh, when I was 13, I'd probably say Lisa because I could relate to her the most, but her, her head is a pain in the ass to draw. <laughs> um, so, but I mean, I still love drawing Lisa. Like that was kind of my specialty, like as a character layout artist, like every character layout has their like their specialty like this person's really good at dancing or this person's really good at you know, so I I was really good at Lisa freaking out or crying mm. <laughs> and so that's awesome so I mean I don't mind working on Lisa um, but I would say Marge gives me the most pleasure 
because she's so graceful and she's got like the, the hair and you could do so much with like her, her hands, like, and, and she's just a very, she's a very delicate figure that I find very um, uh, pleasurable to draw. Like she, you can kind of like channel um, Hirschfeld in those lines, you know, like just like from the head down the neck, down the shoulders to the arm. Like it's, it's just basically one continuous line. Um, yeah. And like, I really have fun uh, doing gestures with her. I mean, I, I try to do a gesture drawing for every single character that I pose out. Um, but with Marge, it's, I have the most fun. Yeah. She's so awesome. I mean, you know, I, I always, a lot of people, you know, they say Homer and Homer has been like slowly climbing the ranks. Uh, I love hearing Marge because I think when it's all said and done, uh, in a lot of ways, Marge is the most underrated character. I think Marge is like truly so special and funny oh, yeah. and just, I don't know. I, I love when people say Marge. So that is a, that's a great answer. What about your least favorite and why? Um, I mean, I, I kind of don't like drawing sea captain <laughs> all mm. that much. He's got a lot of triangles and like, I mean, which, I mean, I don't mind. He's just got so many shapes going on. Yeah. And like, it's kind of hard to to keep track of him. Although he's a great character I and mean, he's a lot of fun. Um, we, I worked <laughs> on an episode where um, the younger version of the sea captain, it, mm. like, did, have you seen it's, it's like a, it was a kind of a, a riff of Indiana Jones. Like it, it was sea captain oh, origin yeah. story. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that was a really fun sequence to, um, to plus up a, a, a really amazing character layout artist, um, Matt Herbert did, did most of the work. And so like, I just seeing those scenes come together, like it, yeah. it like it just, it added a whole new dimension to see captain. Um, he's cool. He's got some cool colors too. He, he's, he's looking, I, I, I like the, I like the style of sea captain. It's funny. You're the first person to say him. And I think that's a good answer. <laughs> I, I like, I like the ran, I like the weirder answers on the least favorite because a, a lot of times people either struggle to think of someone or they, you know, they give someone that you might expect. Uh, I have gotten some that I don't expect. Like I've gotten like Ned and I'm like, Oh God. Uh, so no, sea captain's a good, a good answer. Uh, the third question, and this is one that I've sort of been altering lately, depending on the guest. Uh, I normally ask for like, you know, it sounds like you've watched the show since the jump. So I normally ask for three favorite episodes, which you can also give me, but I would also like maybe your three favorite episodes that have happened in your time there, because mm -hmm. I feel like those recommendations are always good to people that might not have seen some modern episodes. Oh dear. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, gosh, well, I, I really loved, um, God. Yeah. New, well, I, I think that the Morrissey episodes, a really funny one. I, I it, like I read the script and I laughed my ass off and, and I, I still, you know, even though I worked on it, I might be a little bit biased, but I, it's, it's still a, a really funny, like Benedict Cumberbatch did turned in a really great performance and he sings very uh, well. So good on it. He sounds great. Yeah. yeah. He sounds great. Yeah. Uh, I'm a very big fan of his. Um, and, um, Oh, Matt Fawnen did an episode with Santa's little helper. Um, I don't remember the name of that one. Oh, the, the one that, uh, Carolyn Amina wrote. I believe so. I Where, love that episode. Why am I blanking on the name as well? Yeah. It, um, it, it brings tears to my eyes. It's just, it's so, it's such a good episode. Um, cause it, it sort of feels like Christmas, but it aired in March. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it, it's a callback to some of the characters in that first episode, right? Like yeah. we, we go back to the, the puppy farm that, Santa's little helper came back to and yeah, that, that, that the, way, the way of the dog. That's what it's the called. The way of the dog. Yeah. Great episode, everybody. That, that is also a great one. Um, but I have a lot of just really funny favorite moments. I, I, I don't really remember because it, it's all just little floating pieces <laughs> now. It's hard to remember. I, you know, I, I forget the names of episodes all the time, even though I've watched them. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, like they, they've become part of my lexicon. Like the way Homer says, I don't know. I, <laughs> I say that a lot. Um, 
you know, the, the dental plan. <laughs> dental plan. If, if dental plan has not, if you don't hear the words dental plan uh, and immediately think of that episode, then I don't, I don't know how you call yourself a Simpsons fan. Yeah, for real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of things. I mean, um, I, you know, I will say, you know, the, the way of the dog, a great episode, uh, panic on the streets of Springfield, uh, the Morrissey episode, or actually not the Morrissey episode, the, uh, the you Quillaby know, episode. yeah, the Quillaby episode. It's not Morrissey. Not Come Morrissey. on, everybody. Uh, those are both fantastic. And I will throw a serious Flanders, uh, on that list Aww. as well. If you have not watched it yet. Uh, I mean, you know, Hey, the, the, the response online speaks for itself, everybody. It's, uh, it's getting a lot, getting a lot of love, even from from some sour pusses out there. So uh, that that should tell you something. Uh, well, so one more thing I want to touch on before we before we shut it down, uh, Debbie is obviously I exist because of my collection of Simpsons merchandise, and I'm curious uh, if at any point in your life you had any interest in that, and did you ever buy any Simpsons stuff when you were younger? Shirts, toys, anything? Oh yeah, I had a, a one of my favorite shirts was. Uh, Bart Simpson. I don't know if it was a knockoff, but it was like Bart Simpson dressed in pajamas, holding a toothbrush with the spider on it. And oh yeah. No, that's a real shirt. That's a great design. Yeah, that's a deep cut. I, I like that never appeared on any episode, but I just thought it was funny. <laughs> like, well, a spider on a toothpaste. Yeah. Those, those <laughs> early character packs had some really bizarre, uh, like I, I own one of the merchandise, uh, basically what they would send licensees to be like, Hey, if you want Simpson stuff, this is some of the stuff you could use. Uh, I own one of those and I've been meaning to scan in and post photos, but some of those early drawings that they were offering people for merchandise are just <laughs> insane. They yeah. literally wouldn't even get approved yeah. uh, oh, a couple yeah. years later. Yeah. Like they wouldn't have been approved, uh, especially the Marge and the Lisa sheet are really, really wacky. And that Bart drawing you're talking about is in there. I think the only other thing it was ever on was like maybe a towel, hmm. uh, but it's uh, that's a deep cut. I'm glad you had that. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, my, my brother had um, an Air Jordan Bart t-shirt. Oh, yeah. It's just so... 90s or late 80s like he's yeah he's he's slam dunking and he's saying can't touch this or or don't yeah. touch this or <laughs> yeah i got a lot of love for those bootlegs too that's yeah, awesome they're hilarious yeah you can't go wrong with that sort of thing anything else any toys um well i don't have toys but i they give us stuff simpsons memorabilia every once in a while and i have they gave us this Simpsons Beatles crossover cell. I don't know if you've seen this. Oh yeah. Wow. That's the, awesome. The red and the blue album. Um, so it's, good. It's, it's got, it's one of my favorite things. It's, you know, the, my, the Beatles are one of my favorite bands. And so to see this crossover, like, you know, you got the, the so red. good. I could be wrong. I want to say Bill Morrison drew that, but I could be incorrect. But man, that thing yeah. is so good. I love this. And my, my husband also has a, a skateboard, oops, a skateboard deck of, uh, oh, yeah. 25 year anniversary. Uh, and I got to tell you, he got oh, it signed wow. by everybody. Like, there was one of those on eBay that I desperately wanted to bid on, and I completely forgot. That thing is beautiful. There's there's Matt Groening right there. That's the signature right there. Signed by everybody. Now the Mark Kirkland yeah. at the bottom, man. You got it all in there. Yeah, everybody. That thing is so good. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm glad. You know, and that some of the like cast and crew stuff is some of the more sought after stuff by collectors. So I love seeing that. Uh, you know, you got the cast and crew jackets, the mm -hmm. Telltale Bart book that they made recently was really great. I've seen a couple of those oh, pop up on. Oh uh, yeah, I've seen a couple of those pop up online. It has like candy in the bottom. Oh, wow. uh, I don't even know how this stuff gets turned around so quickly. That literally that episode just happened, but I saw a huh. couple on eBay already. Uh, so th that sort of thing is really, really cool. Yeah, sure. I, I also I have um, a picnic basket uh, with Kang and Kodos on it. We still ah. use we get that was a gift from years ago. And we still That's use it awesome. to this day when we go to outdoor movies and it comes with like a little uh, a wooden board with, with a blinky uh, engraved on it uh, from mm. cheese and That's got, so like, good. like cheese knives. And we also have um, the, the teeny tiny uh, suitcases that are just bright yellow. Um, so if you go to an airport, you won't lose your luggage. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. 
That's the same reason I love those Bagu bags that they made a couple. I guess it's about a year ago now. Uh, that whole set is just great. You're not gonna you're not gonna lose those bags. They're like awesome. crazy bright. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Debbie, you know, thanks so much for coming on the show and and sort of giving me your story and, and talking about you know your journey and your fandom with The Simpsons. I always. You know, I was looking forward to to speaking with you, but I, I feel like I learned even more than I expected, uh, and I just had a great time. So I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, I had a great uh, time too. It was a lot of fun. That's talking awesome. To oh, that's fantastic. Do you have any shout outs or just plugs or anything that you want to share with everybody uh, before you get out of here? Um, not really. I I just have an Instagram. Um, you, you follow me on it. It's Debado D E B B A D O H on Instagram. A lot of cool stuff over there. A lot of cool art. Everyone should be following that. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like silly comics. I I draw on paper. uh, It's to pass the time uh, because I I spend all day staring at a screen drawing on a Cintiq. And so this Instagram account is just my way of like releasing some like artistic, you know, just a desire to express myself and do my own thing on paper. And yeah. Yeah. No, and it looks really great. Everyone should go give uh, Debbie a follow. Uh, as for all of you, if you have any questions or comments, you can email me at simpsonsisgreat at gmail.com. If you like this podcast, consider leaving me a review on Apple or really anywhere that accepts reviews. But Apple reviews help me climb the ranks. It helps even more people see the show. So please consider doing that. Uh, you can follow the official Instagram account at simpsonsisgreaterthan or on Twitter at simpsonsisgreat. If you're curious about me or my Simpsons collection, just search for Bard of Darkness on Instagram or Twitter, and I'm sure you'll find it. And as for me and as for Debbie, I'll see everybody next week. Bye.